This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We're going to continue our sermon series through the letter to the Philippians. So I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And now many people believe this is an ancient Christian hymn. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that you would remind us that that we are unified with you through Jesus Christ. Lord God, we came here to, to listen to your word, so we pray that you would speak to us through your word and that we would become one as a family of believers, one focused on your word and your kingdom and what is important to you. And Lord God, don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of your will. Amen. Crisis usually brings people together. I remember speaking with a distant relative who fought in World War II. We called him Grandpa Bud. He's in heaven now, but I remember him telling me that that during World War II, it seemed like our nation really came together because we had a common enemy fighting against the Nazi regime. And I felt kind of a similar feeling after 9-11. When we saw those twin towers go down, we kind of came together as a nation because we had a common enemy. But that's not how 2020 has gone. With all of the, the, the crises that we've experienced, each one seems to tear us more and more apart. We become more and more a divided nation because we really don't know who the enemy is. So in the pandemic, there's, there's this group of people who say, you know, we need to close everything down. We got to close down the schools and close down the businesses because of what's going on on the other side. Because we need to protect our physical health. And then there's this other side that says, no, we need to open everything up to protect our economic health and our emotional health. And, and we're fighting against each other because we think that the, the people on the other side of whatever issue, that's our enemy. And then our, our country got even more divided as, as we went through the, the whole idea of, of, of racial inequality after the death of George Floyd. And so there's a group of people who say black lives matter. And then there's a group of people that say 
Blue Lives Matter and we're fighting against each other, thinking the people on the other side of that issue are the enemy, but we've forgotten that we all have a common enemy. And the Apostle Paul tells us who that enemy is. When he was writing to his letter to the, the church in Ephesus, he wrote this. He said, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, our enemy is not human beings. Our enemies are not the people on the other side of the issue. We don't have tons of enemies. We have one common enemy, and that is the devil. And the devil loves to divide. He's been doing that since the beginning. Remember when he he tempted Adam and Eve to take from that fruit, to, to try to take the place of God. And that divided our, our nation, or divided the people. And Adam and Eve, they started, they started seeing division in the family as they covered themselves from each other. And then in their guilt and the shame, they, they were divided and separated from God. They hid from God. And so we see that the devil loves to divide since the very beginning. And the reason he loves to divide is because he, he wants to make our life a living hell. See, what hell is... The Bible talks about hell as an eternal place where, where, where you're completely separated from God, from others, in utter darkness. And, and the devil wants us to begin to experience a living hell, to be separated from others, to be isolated from God, to be isolated from one another. That's what the devil wants. The devil wants our lives to become a living hell. He wants to divide. If the devil divides, what does God do? God unites. He's been doing that since the very beginning. On the the very first pages of Scripture, what does he do? He creates Adam, and then he says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. And he united Adam and Eve together in marriage to be one flesh. God is a God that unites. That's on the first page of the Bible. And and then where is, is God moving all of history? On the last pages of the Bible, we see Heaven comes down, the new Jerusalem comes down, and God is again united with his people, living amongst his people, and people from every language, nation, tribe, and people are gathering around, worshiping God together in unity. God unites. And to be one with God, united with God, to be in the presence of God, that's heaven. And God wants us to experience a slice of heaven here on earth. And so that's what we want to answer here this, this evening. How can we begin to experience the joy of unity, a slice of heaven on earth? How can we begin to, to experience that? And to answer that question, we're going to go back to this letter I just got done reading from Philippians chapter 2 as we continue our sermon series called Finding Joy. Finding Joy. And, and I don't know if you remember kind of the background of this letter. Do you remember what Paul was doing in this letter? The Apostle Paul is writing this letter from prison, right? And it's kind of surprising that this letter is filled with joy because no matter where he is, he's filled up with joy in Jesus. And he's writing this letter actually as as a thank you letter. 
He, he's writing to his church that he started in Philippi, and he's thanking them because they sent a man named Epaphroditus to take care of his needs. And so he's thanking them for the partnership that they have in the gospel. And he says, thank you. And now I want us to be doing that more and more. I want us to be even more unified. See, the apostle Paul was concerned that the culture around them was going to infiltrate the church in Philippi. The culture in first century Rome was one incredibly divided culture. They were divided based on class, whether you are a Roman soldier or a slave, there was that division. There was division among races, whether you're Jew or Gentile or, or, or Roman or not. There were divisions based on gender over male or female. There was all these divisions and all about who's in control, who's in power. And Paul was concerned that that kind of division was infiltrating the church. In fact, at the end of this letter, he says, I plead with Oidia and I plead with Syndiki to be of the same mind. There was this dispute, a, a division between two women in the congregation. And he wanted them to come back together in unity because they contended with Paul and the gospel. And that's my concern also that all of the division that's going on in our culture would infiltrate the church. And, and let's not be so naive to think that, that, that we're any better than the people out there. We have the same sinful nature and have to struggle against division as much inside of the church as outside of the church. And so we want to look into the scriptures and see how God can bring us together in Jesus Christ. And so here's what Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 2, in that first verse, he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then... Dot, dot, dot. First, he wants to focus on this idea of them being united with Christ. He wants to remind them that you have been united with Christ because here's what Jesus did. Jesus came into this world and he got this reputation of the kind of person who welcomes sinners and ate with them. That's what they said. They'll go, there goes Jesus. He's the person who welcomes sinners and eats with them. And they, they tried to use that almost as, a, as an insult, but Jesus took that as a badge of honor. He said, that's right. For example, in John chapter 4, uh, Jesus is going up to Galilee and it says he had to go through Samaria. Well, he didn't have to go to Samaria, but he wanted to go to Samaria. He went up to Samaria because he knew there was a woman at the well who had been divided from the rest of society because of her own sinful actions. And he wanted to, to come and, and meet with her and bring her back into union with God through faith, through forgiveness. Because God is a God who unites. He did the same thing for, for a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' life had become a living hell because he had sided with the, the Roman government and he was working as a tax collector, stealing from his own people and he had turned his own life into a living hell. He's been separated from the rest of his, his countrymen. And so when he heard that Jesus was coming into town, he, he hid up in a, a sycamore tree just to see if he could look at Jesus. And Jesus saw him and said, Zacchaeus, you've got to come down. I'm going to eat with you today. He wanted to bring Zacchaeus back into unity with God through Jesus Christ. And, and we hear that even with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was this zealous man who thought that it was his job to destroy Christianity, to take the law into his own hands. And so while he was breathing out murderous threats against Christians, 
Jesus confronted him, brought him to repentance to bring him back into unity with God through Jesus Christ. Now, why could, could Jesus welcome sinners and eat with them? Because of what he did on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he was breaking down the barrier between God and human beings, this, the barrier of sin that we had put up between us and God. And so Jesus paid for the sins of the world, and now he welcomes us back into union with God by faith. He doesn't want us to live in isolation. He doesn't want our lives to be a living hell. He wants to give us a slice of heaven on earth. And how does he do that? Well, he welcomes us through baptism. Paul says that, that you are buried with Christ in baptism. We were united with Christ in our baptisms so that when we come out of those waters, we come out to live a brand new life with Jesus. Every time you read God's word, Jesus is welcoming you into this relationship with him. What, no matter what page you're reading on, in scripture, Jesus is speaking to you through the word. The Bible is called a, a book that's living and active. He wants to welcome you into this relationship with him as he speaks to you through his word to give you a slice of heaven on earth. And we're going to have the Lord's Supper today. It's called communion, to be one with this is one way that Jesus continues to welcome sinners and eats with them as we receive the Lord's Supper, Jesus' body and blood in remembrance of what he did on that cross to break down those barriers to bring us back to God. In fact, do you want to know how close God is with you? Paul reminds us, he says, if you have any sharing, common sharing in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit actually dwells inside of us. We are, he says in another part of Scripture, we are walking temples of the Holy Spirit. That's how close God is with us. That's how unified God is with us, that the Holy Spirit actually dwells inside of us. And when you understand that, it blows our mind. And so here's the, the first thing that, that Paul wants us to know this evening. We are one with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are one with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We have been unified with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's a slice of heaven on earth that will be fully realized on the last day when we see him. And Paul says, when you realize that, that we have been one with, made one with God through faith in Jesus Christ, he says, that'll give you encouragement, that'll give you comfort, that will give you his love, that will give you tenderness and compassion. Other ways, that's going to give you joy. When we realize we're one with Jesus, one with God through Jesus Christ, that will give us joy. Reminds me how I felt in the fifth grade. The fifth grade, I changed schools and I felt like a total outsider. But then I got invited to a party, and at this party there were boys and girls for the first time, right? And there was dancing. And I couldn't believe it. I got invited to this party. And, and, and I, I couldn't believe it. I was part of the group. I was, I was welcomed into the group. I was welcomed into the school. I just felt this kind of joy. Actually, the anticipation of that party was actually better than, you know, the party and the, and the cake that was there. And that's what God is saying to you, that, that, that you've been welcomed into his family through faith in Jesus Christ. And that fills us with joy. Now, Paul says, if that's true, if all of that is true, if, we, if we've been united with Christ, if we share in this spirit, if, if all of that is true, then here's the application. Then, verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same spirit, 
or being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and of one mind. If you've been united with Christ, then be united to one another. And that's the, the, the take-home. That's the application. That's the second point of this sermon. Be united to one another. Be united to one another. And Paul describes what it means to be united to one another. He says, he says be like-minded. It means think about the same things. We could think about all sorts of different things. We could be thinking about the pandemic. We'd be thinking about all the things that are going politically. But, but if we want to be unified as a family believers, let's think about the same thing. The thing in front of our mind more than anything is Jesus and his kingdom and his word and what Jesus is doing and, and his story of history. Let's all think about that more than anything else. And if we think more about Jesus and his kingdom, we'll be unified. And we'll enjoy a slice of heaven on earth. He says, um, have the same love. You know, we can love all sorts of different things. We can have all things that we love. We love different types of music. We love different kinds of sports and hobbies. We can love all sorts of things. But let's have the same capital L love in our life. To love Jesus and his word and his kingdom and his forgiveness and his story and where he's leading this world. And when we love the same thing above all else, we'll be unified as a family of believers and we'll enjoy a slice of heaven on earth. Life doesn't have to be a living hell. He says, have the same spirit. I think he's, he's talking about have the same passion. We can be passionate about all, all sorts of things. You know, some people can be passionate about politics. Some people can be passionate about sports. Some people can be passionate about all of these things. But let's be passionate about Jesus and his word and his kingdom and his story. And we're passionate about that as a family of believers. We're all, that's our, our, our passion. You know, you're going to corner me and we're going to talk about something. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Jesus and his kingdom and what he's up to. And when we do that, be unified. We'll enjoy a slice of heaven on earth. And then finally, he says, be of one mind. Another way he says, have one purpose. One purpose is to further the kingdom of God. And we have one enemy. And it's not flesh and blood. One enemy, the devil. And sure, he wants to influence people and, and use people and use all these different things. But that's our real enemy. Behind all evil and wickedness is the devil. So we have one mission to further the kingdom of God. That's going to unify us. And we have one enemy, the devil. And Paul says that, that when we do that, when we become united as a family of believers, he says, that's going to fill me with joy. That's going to fill me with joy. That's what makes me more happy than anything else, to see the congregation flip by filled with joy. And I get why that would fill him with such joy. I don't know if you've been part of churches that are filled with division. I've been a part of those and and I look at you know, even some of my leadership and wondering how much I led to that division. But when a church is united, it's incredible. It's, a, it's like a slice of heaven on earth. And another way that, that unity can bring such joys, I think of it this way, when, when there's a, a person who walks in for the first time and, and, and they finally start to understand what Christianity is all about, that they're forgiven in Jesus Christ, and they start to, to understand what the Bible is all about, well, then the devil puts a bullseye on that person. The devil says, that's the person I need to separate from all the rest of the Christians. I got I to gotta keep that person away from them. In fact, I remember in my first congregation about 10 years ago, there was this woman who, who came to the church for the first time. 
And she said, you know what, Pastor, before I became a Christian and started attending church, I didn't have anybody invite me over for lunch on Sunday afternoons. And we had worship at, two, at, at 12 o'clock. She says, now that i become a Christian, every day somebody invites me out for lunch at, on, on Sunday afternoon. Every day there's somebody who wants to distract me. Every day there's somebody who get, wants to get in my way. But she kept on coming because she was united with other people at the church. She had a family of believers. And I'm telling you, when I see um, people in this congregation get united to other people, that's what fills me with joy. When I hear that you're hanging out together or you joined a small group or you, you start to build some relationships, that fills me with, with, with more joy than anything else because I know you're not going to be as easily picked off by Satan. Our enemy can't pick you off as easy if you're in united with other believers. And that's why Paul's so filled with joy. So if this is so important, if Paul says, I want you guys to be as united as possible, well, how do we do that? How do we pull that off? How does that happen? How can we be united with one another? Well, he tells us what not to do. Verse three says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing for yourself, making it all about you. Um, this word selfish ambition in the Greek, uh, Aristotle used it also as kind of like this, this political gain. That's how he thought of it. Just this, this I'm going to step on everybody else so I can be on top. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, literally empty glory. Don't, don't do anything just for yourself. And man, this is just so convicting for myself. How many things are done just for me, for my kingdom, for my glory, and how empty that is? It makes me think of, of Michael Jordan. I, more people are rediscovering Michael Jordan now that there was that famous documentary, The Last Dance. I might be the last person on earth who hasn't watched it yet. I don't have ESPN, but I've heard lots of people have watched it. And yeah, the greatest basketball player who ever lived, right? And, and maybe about 20 years ago, there was that ad campaign. Do you remember that ad? I want to be like Mike. And maybe you want to be like Mike when it comes to his jump shot. But, but I can tell you, I don't want to be like Mike. And, and, and it happened after I watched his Hall of Fame speech. Have you ever seen Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech? It was just so sad. You could just tell it was all about Mike because he's talking to his children in the speech. He says, you know, I feel bad for you guys because you'll never live up to my legacy. And then he started yelling at his coach saying, you know, his high school coach didn't give him enough of a chance or, or didn't see how good he was. And he just spent all this time really saying how he was important, how everybody else was. And it was all about Mike. And we can say, I'm saying that to, to point out his problems. I can see all of that in myself too. And so instead of trying to be like Mike, I mean, maybe I want to shoot a jumper like him, but not his character, right? Because that divides homes, that divided his business, it divided his team, it divides the church, it divides society when we live for ourselves. And so who should we be like? Who should we live like? The Apostle Paul tells us, this is in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he's going to quote what many people believe is an early Christian hymn. Who, 
being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. I want you to look at the parallelism here. That Jesus, who being in the very nature God, the, the, the word here is morphe, the, the very form, that if you knew Jesus before Christmas, you'd see him and say, that's God. And when Jesus entered in this world, he could have entered in this world to be anyone he wanted. He could have picked up any persona that he wanted, right? He could have been a great conqueror like Alexander the Great or a great emperor like Julius Caesar or a great inventor like Thomas Edison or Steve Jobs. He could have been a billionaire like Warren Buffett or Bill Gates. He could have been like a great athlete like Michael Jordan. He could have picked any persona, but Jesus decided to pick the form of, what does it say? A servant. He decided to pick the form of a servant and to serve in the, in, the, in the most incredible way possible by sacrificing his life. Because that's what brings people together. Right now, we are spending so much time focusing on how I'm right and other person's wrong. And, and the only way I'm going to get my point across is I've got to defeat all of my enemies. But Jesus said, I have a different way. I came into this world to take on the role of a servant and to make a sacrifice. And so if we're going to be like anybody, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. And, and what would that look like? Instead of saying, um, I demand my rights, I demand, I want what's in it for me, as a church, we would come together and say, how can I help you? How can I serve you? What sacrifices can I make? How could I maybe join a small group or serve in teams? Or what sacrifices can I make to help others out? Because that's what brings people together, having the mindset of Jesus. Now, if we did that, what would happen? Paul tells us. He says, if we would be united, later on the, right in the next few lines, he says this, if we did this, then you will shine like, you'll shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. If we would make sacrifices for one another and be unified around Jesus, we would shine like stars in a dark world. This world looks pretty dark because it's divided. Because the devil divides. That's what he wants to do. But when we recognize that we've been united with God and Jesus Christ, and when we follow his lead and lay down our lives for others, make sacrifices to bring other people together, we will shine like stars. So let's remember this. It is the devil who divides. Our enemy is not against flesh and blood, not against the rulers, not against the powers. It's against the devil. We have a common enemy. The devil divides, but God unites. Let's be united together with one another through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, this has been a very difficult year for so many reasons. Throughout history, we've seen challenges and suffering and struggles. But usually, difficult times bring people together. But not this year. It has driven people farther apart. And so, Lord God, we pray.
pray that we would be unified around you, around your word, around your forgiveness. Lord God, fill us with the presence of the Holy Spirit so that we would desire to lay down our life in service to one another, to make the necessary sacrifices so that we'd be united with you and with one another. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.